Welcome to today's Power Up Your Presence podcast. I'm Diane Craig. And I'm Sandra Corelli. We have designed each and every episode to help you power up, step up, and lead up your presence. A mix of stories, tips, insights, and conversations with trailblazers who speak candidly about their journey to leadership. On today's episode, we are thrilled to welcome Dr. Kathy Kamkar for a conversation on how to overcome self-doubt. Dr. Kathy is a clinical psychologist at the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, an assistant professor within the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Toronto. She also serves as Director, Badge of Life Canada, and Director, Operational Lifesaver Canada. One of Dr. Kathy's greatest interests is to provide education to the public to promote mental health and well-being, reduce stigma attached to mental illness, and focus on prevention and early intervention. She has written numerous articles for various comprehensive public resources and has made over 200 media appearances. You can learn more about Dr. Katty in our show notes for today. Welcome, Dr. Katty. It's so great to have you with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you making the time. I know how busy you are, so it's so great to spend some time chatting. And we want to talk today about overcoming self-doubt and imposter syndrome. But before we get started, I know that one of your greatest areas of passion and focus in your work is to provide education to the public to promote mental health and well-being and to reduce the stigma attached to mental illness. Can you share a little bit about your work on this to date? Yes, of course. And uh, thank you so much, really, for, for having me. Such a, uh, such a delight. Um, so I'm a scientist practitioner um, but also the, the part the, the part of my work that I enjoy very much is the work that I do with the community, with the public. And that is why I do a lot of variety of, um, uh, let's say, um, as writing blogs and uh, giving speaking engagements, um, a lot of media related type of work is to really feel closer to the community and to the public. And I think that is the, really the best way to not only hear the public and the concerns and so on, but and also to provide um, uh, the right education, the proper conversation and educations around the mental health and mental illness. We certainly do know that the more we are able to open the dialogue, uh, the conversation, then we normalize the talk around mental health. And the more we are able to normalize the talk, then the fear goes down. And um, so we have uh, not only in terms of we are better able to recognize any signs or symptoms that we are struggling, but most importantly, really not to suffer in silence and um, to to reach out uh, for health. And now, of course, so we are saying everywhere that mental health is health, and it is health, whether we talk about physical health, mental health, health is always personal, and there's always the mind-body connection. So, And we have also noted um, stigma reduction, in the past five to 10 years, more so in the past two to five years, which is wonderful, but clearly more work needs to be done. And so very much kudos to your great show uh, covering that important topic. Thank you. And, and thank you to you for all the work that I know you do in the community and the safe space that you do create, where people feel comfortable about talking about their experiences, sharing their stories, and it's really helping to continue to reduce that stigma. So thank you. Thank now, you so much. Now, recently, the World Health Organization identified burnout as a formal medical condition due to workplace stress. 
What guidance do you have? I know you do a lot of work with organizations. So what guidance do you have for them to support their employees in dealing with stress and really promoting a culture of mental wellness? Yes, that's an important topic. And I had actually started talking about the burnout for some time now. And uh, we're all very happy that the World Health Organization really also talked about burnout and uh, described it as an occupational phenomenon because what it helped with is to give more um, light and recognition to that. Um, Because we always talk about, uh, let's say, especially um, psychological, let's say, disorders. And uh, But I think what's also very important is to recognize what are the significant mental health issues and concerns that can really also have a tremendous impact on our health and our performance and our functioning. And certainly burnout is, is not, let's say, psychological disorder diagnosis per se, but nevertheless a significant mental health issue because it has been shown to have an impact on our health, mental health and physical health, and also on our performance. We certainly know a lot of some of the key uh, features of burnout. So, for example, um, first one is really the exhaustion when we feel exhausted um, emotionally, physically, psychologically, cognitively. We feel absolutely exhausted. So the motivation goes down. The sense of passion or the sense of zest that we have go down goes down. So people, for example, they might say, "You know, I don't know. I don't understand." Um, you know, I used to do this maybe for 30 years and I do not see myself as being able to do it anymore. Those signs might be signs of a burnout, which also then is indicative of what we call reduced sense of self-efficacy. Self-efficacy is when we recognize our skills and we are confident in our skills that we are able to perform a certain task. But with burnout, there is a reduced sense of self-efficacy. And that goes to the second feature, which is the negative self-evaluation. Um, we Our self-confidence goes down, self-esteem goes down, we don't feel confident anymore. And of course, we notice a sense of identity change as well. We don't feel we are the same anymore. Comes with burnout, along with those two, is a sense of what we call depersonalization or cynicism that takes place. So reduced interest in activities we used to enjoy. It can also be the distrust in others. And we gradually notice we're not the same person, which can also create a lot of fear too, especially when you notice that uh, you know, you're not the same, that you, your thinking process, your emotions and um, the way you treat yourself or you treat others, everything has changed. So that becomes also very scary. So one can really imagine how all those together within a burnout can really increase the risk for psychological health problems. Certainly, burnout can increase the risk for psychological health problems, but also it can occur following a psychological disorder or concurrent. So at the same time, let's say someone might suffer from an anxiety disorder or someone might suffer from signs of clinical depression and suffer from burnout at the same time. Yeah, it's really important to to be aware of the symptoms, both in ourselves and in those around us, so that we're really taking the time to rest, recharge, and recover. Absolutely. You're right about that. And especially about recharging and recovery. So, you know, the earliest we know that we just, we talked about the importance of mental health promotion, the earliest we know the signs of symptoms, it's always one of the best protective factors. But along with that, it's always about how to recognize what are our positives, uh, identifying our positives every day, uh, practicing gratitude every day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, also, you know, being proud of, you know, everything that we do, praising ourselves every day. Self-care, 
we know self-care involves proper sleep hygiene, doing whatever exercise we're able to do. Sometimes people say, I don't have time to go to the gym. And that's okay. Any kind of exercise, even 20 minutes of walk, uh, walk per day has been found to be tremendously helpful. Eating right, tremendously helpful. It impacts on our mood as well. And of course, at work, anything that we are able to do, breaks here or there, um, being able to manage our work, prioritizing our responsibilities, scheduling, planning ahead, um, seeking help and, and resources and assistance, all of those can help to better manage our stress. Great strategies and tips. Thank you. Yes, th- this is uh, absolutely this is uh, amazing advice, fascinating um, information that um, I'm sure our listeners will um, totally um, appreciate hearing from you. In the work that we do at, at Corporate Class, we find that many of our clients, regardless of level, grapple with some level of self-doubt. They begin to ruminate which can lead to additional anxiety and stress and hold them back. Uh, This is often described as our inner critic or imposter syndrome. Can you help explain what imposter syndrome is? Um, You know, it's a psychological term, especially describing, you you know, you, you, you said it very well, this kind of um, inner critic and the self doubt. And it comes also with a sense of um, internal insecurity that we might have, this uh, negative uh, sense of self, negative self-view that we might have. And there might be a tendency to criticize ourselves, to put ourselves down, or it could also be self-sabotaging, not recognizing our achievement, minimizing our achievement. It can also come with doing the opposite with others. It might be maybe magnifying their achievement, minimizing their mistakes, but magnifying our mistakes. So a variety of strategies and skills that we can do that unfortunately can vary. So those avoidance and compensatory strategies that we might not even be conscious of, that we might engage and that can really, uh, for a long period of time, um, continue to maintaining a negative sense of self, negative sense of self-worth that could be. And uh, of course, it could lead to us feeling sense of I'm a failure or I'm inadequate or I'm incompetent and so on. That could be the result of a host of reasons. It could be sometimes um, a developmental history, certain life events, negative life events, um, so variety of um, circumstances, uh, it could be one circumstance or chronicity of those, you know, negative circumstances that can really shape our view of ourselves or our view of others and our view of, of, of um, the world or people in general. And so what happens is that then as adults, as I mentioned, we might engage in what we call those compensatory strategies or avoidance strategies that might just, just maintain this negative view of ourselves. So compensatory strategies, as I mentioned, could just be, let's say, we might want to search for to do more and more and more, but unfortunately, we do not recognize it. So it's always, it's never, never enough. Or we might engage in avoidance strategies. So we want to avoid any possibilities in life, in any promotions in life, or do want to do anything because of the risk of making a mistake and of failing. And unfortunately, again, this is just going to maintain any negative um, belief that we have. What's interesting also is really around the way we interpret the world, because we know that when we have any negative emotions or any negative belief about ourselves, 
there is some kind of a bias that enters um, our sense of, you know, a line of thinking and our emotions, such as we tend to pay attention and we tend to recall any external events that are consistent with our belief about ourselves. So, for example, if I believe that, let's say, I'm a failure, I'm, go I'm going to pay attention to and recall any information that would confirm that. And I'm going to dismiss and discount, disregard any information not consistent with that. Or I might pay attention to it for just a second and I'm just going to disregard it. In that way, because of the line of thinking and, of course, the matching action plan and behaviors, I'm going to keep that thought for a long time, the sense of I'm a failure. Same thing, if I think that, let's say, I'm not lovable or likable person, I'm going to scan maybe in the environment everywhere to look at, you know, who pays attention to me, who likes me, who greets me, and so on. And whoever might have been very nice and kind and greet me, I might pay attention to it or might recall it for just a second, and then I might dismiss it. However, whoever did not greet me or did not pay attention, I might be essentially may pay, pay closer attention to that and recall it because it is a consistent with the view that I have about myself. So a lot of those strategies that we might engage in, not necessarily very much be aware, but for, for a long period of time, it can really prolong the suffering. Hmm. This is uh, really interesting to, to hear you say that sometimes we may magnify our accomplishments and, um, and diminish others as uh, to reinforce, you know, the, it really reinforces the, the fact that we think that we are less. Right. You're right. So magnify other people's accomplishment, minimize our own accomplishment, magnify could be our mistakes and then magnify other people's accomplishment, minimize their mistakes. So essentially this is how we call it. Mm -hmm. this double standard, right. Yeah. It's like a dance. Yeah, totally. I like that. This dance. I like that term. Totally. Unfortunately, it's not a healthy dance, but we no. want to make it. Yeah, no, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so why do, why do we have such an inner critic? So I think that I like to view everything on a continuum. Of course, you know, as I mentioned, uh, you know, our life circumstances, our developmental history, host of reasons really as to how it could lead to, um, you know, this inner critic. But the inner critic that we get, it works on a continuum. Right. Because we we always mm -hmm. want to be aware as well of, you know what I mean? Like also this if we go to the other end, which is this inflated uh, you know, high self-esteem, inflated sense of, so that also is not healthy either, right? So we want to keep it on a continuum. We always want to, of course, as much as, you know, it is reasonable, uh, being able to have a, you know, being aware of ourselves and our thoughts and our emotions and so on, which is very healthy and proactive and adaptive. But of course, if we go to the other extreme, which is very negative, then it certainly doesn't do us justice. We just, it makes it immensely difficult for us to be able to um, move forward in our life and to be able to um, achieve what we call our personal growth, um, uh, being more connected to others, achieve the sense of meaning, our full potential, which is very important because when we want to achieve our full potential is very much recognizing what are my strengths and what are my positives and praising myself and constantly being persistent and determined so we are able to achieve our personal growth tremendously important for our mental health and well-being. And certainly here, as you have greatly discussed, this kind of inner critic is it kind of would very much hinder us even organizing our positives and our strength, congratulating ourselves, being proud of ourselves, mm -hmm. and even our, um, our potential of being able to move forward. 
I think uh, this inner critic, I, it's so important to to have it well balanced, you know, like from the inflated ego to uh, the complete opposite where we totally look for what diminishes our presence and yeah. makes us less. Yeah. Yeah. Well explained. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, it's, re it's really about having that balanced sense of self-regard mm -hmm. so that you're taking that time to recognize what you're doing well, but also recognizing you have areas of opportunity, but staying balanced at all times, which is so important yeah, not yeah. to let that fear, the judgment from others get in the way or the shame, because often mm -hmm. there's shame that comes with our, our life experiences and not even wanting to talk about some of the things that our inner critic might be saying to us because of the shame that we're experiencing. I'm so happy that you're mentioning that because um, we have a tendency to focus so much on other emotions like anger, but it also ran also like anxiety and fear because emotions like anxiety and fear are very much what we call, they're very rooted to external triggers and stressors. When we talk around, let's say, um, when we feel embarrassed, it really refers to the public self. But when right. we talk about shame and guilt, these are very much what we call self-conscious emotions. And they directly related to our sense of self and our perception of self and creates immense sense of paralysis and disability sometimes. So sometimes when we have difficulty, very much moving forward in our overall functioning and quality of life and well-being is not always related to the fear and anxiety. It's also very much around shame and, and guilt. So um, you're making a very, very strong point. Thank you. So what can we do, Dr. Caddy, when self-doubt does show up? What are some of the strategies that can help quiet the voice, like they say, or interrupt the inner critic? You know, I think that some of, so definitely talking about it is very helpful. Yes. Because I think that, you know, when we talk about it, people say, actually, it lightens up the conversation and people come move forward and say, oh, you know, I have that too. I also feel sometimes I'm a fraud. I think I have the impulsive yeah. you know, syndrome. People really start talking about it. And we all realize that, well, we are not alone. Because in a continuum, we all feel the same way too a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Or from time to time, certain circumstances, and it could be meetings, it could be, uh, you know, whatever event that could be so definitely the more we talk about it it can lighten up the conversation and people always know oh i'm not alone and it's it's always such a relief when we know we're not alone right this this tremendous sense of relief um uh it can provide us so the more we talk about it is very helpful the second thing is really that yes we do need to exert care when we need to catch our thoughts we need to catch our emotions and say hold on here stop what am I doing? So anything that we know that can trigger those kind of thoughts, sometimes it could be a location, specific people, specific events or group that we know are can trigger us to that. So we want to be mindful of what are the triggers? What are my patterns of thinking? We all tend to have patterns of thinking. What are my patterns of thinking? And as I always say, I want to be a scientist here. I want to say, hold on here, stop. What are my thoughts? I want to identify them. And what are the thoughts that I know do not necessarily do justice here to me here? They're kind of negative. They do not make me feel good and kind of make me feel more distressed. We want to catch those thoughts and say, you know what? These are not always fact and based on evidence here. Maybe I'm just used to those thoughts. Maybe, maybe yes, something happened to me in the past that I'm having this thought. But right now, the situation, reality I'm living right now might not be um, necessarily 
be an evidence for me from for that line of thought. So when we are able to catch that thought and also then paying attention to the whole picture, what are the positives around? What are the mm-hmm. situations that might not necessarily confirm that negative thought? And also, as we always say in terms of a plan of action, say, you know what, let me do something different this time. Let me do something that I, I would I was not doing before because we always know like I always say actions speak louder and they're so powerful are augmenting our sense of self and identity and feel more competent so this flexibility as we call the psychological flexibility becomes tremendously important but in also seeking support as well and 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 so on and so forth and of course the self-care which is always very important because it comes with sense of self-worth and loving ourselves Right. So when we know that I'm taking care of myself, I'm eating right and I'm going outside, I'm praising myself and I'm identifying my positive and gratitude is all part of the whole person management. And so important. And I love how you describe it as catching our thoughts. So I often say it's important throughout the course of our day that we practice the pause because we can get so caught up from one meeting to one interaction to another that we're not really stopping to bring to our awareness what our thoughts are. So the term catch our thoughts is so important. And what I find really helps me is not only catching the thought, but writing it down. So once I write down what I'm thinking around what my self-doubt might be telling me, and then thinking of a counter positive thought to that, I find really helps me work through some of what the inner critic might be trying to sabotage. (laughs) You're so right about that, um, like a journaling. Yes, yeah. um, Absolutely. I agree with you. Very helpful. You know, what are my thoughts and what are my related emotions? And essentially also what I have mentioned before, if we have a tendency to just pay attention to and recall information um, consistent with this negativity, right? And the, the tendency to dismiss anything that was not consistent with it. So we want to catch that too, so that we always look at the whole picture, not only the negatives, but in also the neutral and the positive so that, you know, the circle becomes very full and it's like a balanced outlook, right. putting Absolutely. everything into perspective and reframing. Absolutely. Now there is a perception that self-doubt is more common in women. So I often have many female clients that will approach me saying, you know, do men feel the same way? I think it's more prevalent in women that we experience this inner critic or this self-doubt. So what's your perspective? I think that we need more studies in regards to that. The other thing is that, you know, when we talk about, you know, self-doubt, I think it can also be defined a little bit differently throughout places and so on. So, um, you know, people might refer to the self-doubt as this negative view of themselves. Others might refer to self-doubt as a tendency to become self-critical. Others, they might refer to the self-doubt as this unhealthy sense of perfectionism. So they feel it's never good enough. It's never enough. And then it could lead to self-criticism. So more or less, they're all tapping into the same thing. But we also need to, you know, clarify the kind of definitions and make it more standard. But definitely, we need more studies to to see whether... Um, um, they are essentially, um, you know, any differences and so on. One thing we know is that um, women are also more willing to come forward and to talk about it than mm, yes, men. Certainly yeah, there is more stigma, right? Yes, you know, that's yeah. the thing too. There is more stigma here also among men than among women. So nevertheless, we clearly know men suffer as well. Um, mm. They suffer tremendously as well. So I think that it's it's safer to say 
um, right now we need more studies, but clearly self-doubt is present among both men and, um, and the woman. And creating, again, that safe space to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yes, very yeah. much so. Yeah. And especially for men as well to mm-hmm. feel safe and to talk about it because self-doubt is it, it, a part of human being. Um, it's not men or versus women. It, we are human beings. That's it. it. It's just it's part of being a human being. And so we can all go through it and experience it. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, way technology. And, you know, when we were talking also about uh, journaling and understanding the triggers, I think if you journal and you read back some of your entries, you can see a pattern right, in, in our way of thinking, which would yeah. be really helpful. Um, what would be one piece of advice that you would like to leave our listeners with about their overall well-being and mental health? I think it's around uh, building our own sense of self-worth because we are worth mm. it. So recognizing how valuable and precious uh, we are. So, and really it's about doing the justice to the self. And so whenever we are able to um, recognize here, um, you know, the importance of the self-care and that we are able to achieve our personal growth, uh, personal growth, little things that we can do every day uh, can make such a difference. So as we talked about the positives and showing gratitude and praising ourselves can go a long way. And then also not being afraid of our thoughts and emotions. It's okay for the thoughts and emotions to be negative. That's totally okay. That's mm-hmm. normal. But recognize them not to be afraid of them so that then we can do justice and put them into perspective, into a more balanced outlook. And I think that's also very much referring to what we call self-kindness, the self-compassion, right? So hmm. because, and we need to practice those every single day. And I think this is how we can gradually move forward into our sense of mental health and, and our well-being and um, moving forward in our personal growth. Mm, thank you. Yeah, we're so hard on ourselves, right? We are. And it is a practice and something that we need to work towards and work on every day. That's right. And recognize that we are unique. Uh, we all have something wonderful to uh, bring to the table, to share with others. And uh, different is not wrong, right? <laughs> it's uh, yeah. definitely our own selves, our own uniqueness. Um I, I thank you so much. This has been absolutely uh, enlightening and, and such a great topic to talk about because, as I mentioned earlier, we have so many clients who, uh, especially when we get into the private coaching where they will express their level of self-doubt and how they um, diminish their presence and let others rob them of their presence because of that inner critic and that self-doubt. So thank you so, so much. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Caddy, for spending time with us today. I know, as I said earlier, how much you have on the go. So we're so grateful to have you with us. And I know our listeners will gain so much from your knowledge and your insights. And a big thank you to you for your tireless work in promoting mental health and well-being. I know you're helping and changing the lives of so many in the work that you do. Thank you. Well, I would like to thank the incredible, remarkable work uh, that uh, you are doing. And uh, thank you from the heart for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Our pleasure and privilege. We'll talk soon. 
Bye. Absolutely. Bye-bye. All of the details can be found in the show notes for today's episode. Every morning, set your intentions toward your dreams. Some may refer to goals. We like the word dreams. It sounds more exciting and not so hard to think about. We hope to meet you in person one day at one of our workshops, or you may even decide that private coaching is more for you. We encourage you to go to our website at corporateclassinc.com for additional resources, blogs, and videos that you may find to help enhance your confidence and your presence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast. It's complimentary. And write a review. Thank you for listening to Power Up Your Presence podcast. The passion, the presence, the power. Until next time, power up, step up, lead up.